podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome once again to another Match Day edition of the Leeds That Podcast. I'm Paul and tonight I'm joined by James. Hello. And Rocco. Hello. Tonight we're going to be discussing the home fixture against Southampton as well as having a look ahead to the weekend's fixture against Watford and what a fixture that is turning out to be. So I've got to come back straight to my question, age-old question, point gained or two points dropped? I honestly think it was two points dropped, not just with the way the match went um, because we made such a good start and then obviously tailed off a bit, but... Yeah, I think like looking at the table and the fixtures to come, well, to be fair, it depends on the Watford game. If we beat Watford, it's point gained. If we lose, it's two points dropped. How about that? I would have definitely taken seven points from those three games <laughs> beforehand. So I think I think one point a point gained, I would say. Uh although we didn't we didn't capitalise on the thirty minutes where we were brilliant in the first half. Um and if we had it, it would have been a different story. So for that I'd say one point gained is probably fair. Well, let's talk about it then. So get right to the, the start of the game. We came out and at it really, really fast. Will we ever score a regulation header from a corner when we've got a free header? A regulation header? Regulation <laughs> header. Yeah, from Lolo Loriente. I did, I did fancy um, Cooper to, to get one on a corner. It felt like oh, that'd be nice for his comeback, wouldn't it? But um, as it happens, we just had a Diego pulling his face in frustration at, at that miss. He should have scored, really, shouldn't he? I thought it was a sitter at the time, but then looking at the replay on telly, it's, it, it does come at him fast. It, it, it didn't look well. It looked like a, like a full-blown free header from where I was, but maybe it wasn't quite that easy. Maybe it was a bit unlucky. And what other chances did we create early in that in that period where it felt like we were really on top in the game? We had one where James was sprinting through, um, and again, like I've, I've not, I don't, they didn't show this on match of the day, I don't think, because I've not seen it back. But it looked like he had all like half the pitch to run into and he just sort of ended up trying to cut inside when I didn't think he really needed to. I thought he could have just just got a shot away, you know, just a toe poke or something. Um yeah, I, yeah, what did what did you guys think of that? Do you remember it? Seemed to break away fast and had options either side, but equally the the options were dragging people away, which seemed to create more space for him. This is based on my memory because as you say, I haven't seen a good replay of it. But it came down to his his decision making or indecisiveness uh, in the in the moment. And at that time, I turned to Matthew and Andy and said, Ian Hart did a, an interview last week where he said that if Dan James didn't have pace, he wouldn't be a Premier League player because you really don't rate him. And uh, Matthew's response was, I don't rate Ian Hart. So which. Well, it, the thing at the time was he was always left on the on the pitch in case we got a free kick. That was the only reason why he was there because everything else was absolute dross, really. But the the but I think Dan James has divided opinion in this first season. There are some people who think he needs time. There's some people who can see the qualities he's bringing, and other people are just out and out say his numbers aren't aren't good enough. And in moments like that, where we need to be lethal, we're not. We're not scoring regularly enough. So where where do you guys stand with that? I know you really like him, James. So should we do the, the positive take first or second? No, go for it. All right. Yeah, I um, honestly, I don't think... I think his footballing ability 
isn't quite up to scratch, to be completely honest. I, I don't think he's any better than Harrison, for sure. I think his running's fantastic, which has its own merits and, and worthy merits. Tracking back's amazing, you know, work rate, endeavour, attitude. But it's it's not even just the finishing for me. Like, a lot of the time we're on the counter-attack and he'll, he'll play a pass and it'll reach his man, but it'll be like, you know, two yards too, yeah, too forward or, too, or a bit behind the striker or not quite played hard enough or over hit like yeah for me it just it just breaks down too much when it goes to him and he gets in great positions um yeah I think he's I think he's got a lot of work to do to be honest I thought Don James was very good at Norwich and very good at Wolves when Patrick Bamford was on the pitch (laughs) and I think that's the big problem he's just playing out of position he had that effort where he was through on goal to the right of the keeper shot across the keeper which was kind of weak he didn't get it far enough past him or square it to Rafinha I think it was Rafinha who was there no maybe I've got the wrong maybe Harrison um, do you remember the one where Rafinha pinged it across and it basically landed on his toe was it yeah. that was that him or, or Harrison where it just like and then went straight into the keeper's hands but it was a an, looked a great chance from the other end yeah I think I'd, I'd give Dan James the benefit of the doubt because he is playing out of position <laughs> as simple as that you know and and I think it would be interesting to see him in this system have a, a good stint on the wing I reckon yeah he has played some good games as well like I'm not I'm not sitting here writing him off saying he's, he's rubbish and we need to get rid of him but um um, yeah, like you say, and, and that is true. He's playing out of position and he's, you know, again, he's playing in a team that's under a lot of pressure. So, um, because, yeah, yeah, not a write-off, but yeah, just I want to see more from him. Better yeah. quality on the ball. And you, you kind of, when you compare him to, against someone like Rodrigo and you think, well, Rodrigo's kind of been played in a way that doesn't suit him for the last two years and hasn't really had a chance to to shine. But everyone was kind of like, Rodrigo doesn't really fit in this team a few weeks ago. Now he's like one of our best players now that he's got that freedom. So I think it's hard to make a harsh call on a player that isn't playing in their usual spot and what they were signed for, really. So, And I don't think Harrison has had a great deal of credit for Saturday's game, but obviously it's his goal that ultimately gets us a point in, in the fixture. How do you think Jack Harrison fared on Saturday afternoon? It's quite a typical Harrison performance, I thought. Um, didn't didn't do a great deal, I don't think, apart from the goal. The goal was very scruffy. Might not have gone in. I think it took quite a wicked deflection, actually, before it bobbled in the corner. Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those. Sometimes it has these games where it's always a, a danger, um, but sometimes without being dangerous. So, you know, it'll always, it'll always be there. It'll always be an option. And, you know, again, the work rate's always there. Um, Techniques always there, but yeah, can't remember him really producing anything as such. He's very good at training his dogs. That seems really random. You're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on Instagram, he's always like, he doesn't boast about football anymore. It's just him training his dogs. He's been using some professional trainer to make them very disciplined. I feel like there's some sort of parallel with his own life where he's had some sort of psychological treatment for bettering himself. <laughs> well. There you go. As you were. Jack Harrison's dogs. I don't go on Instagram and see this. They're like, when do you find time to go on Instagram and watch Jack Harrison training his dogs? So do you think first half we deserve to go in at, at halftime 1-0? Or would, like, they grew into it in, in the back end of it. And it, we felt from where we were sitting that our tactics seemed to change to more, let's hit him on the break and see if we could get a goal on the counter rather than building anything concerted. Do you, do you think that was a... a 
a tactical plan or do you think that was just what we were capable of achieving in that point in the game? It's hard to say because he's got this 100 to 70 or whatever he calls it where we, yeah. you know, we go hard and then we we sort of ease off a bit. So maybe it was. I mean, in, at the game, I just sort of, yeah, just, you know, saw Southampton growing into the game. Um, I, yeah, it's, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to really say whether whether it was part of our, our tactics and it, it could have been. But yeah, that first 30 minutes was really good. You know, it was really positive. I, I mean, I... I don't know if we're doing something clever to get Rodrigo in so much space in the middle and, and others as well. You know, Harrison and Rafinha, when they came in, they were always in space, whether we're doing some clever movements. But, you know, it was working really well. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game altogether, actually. I thought it was, you know, apart from the time-wasting and stoppages towards the end or in the second half between the 60th and 70th minute, I thought it was really good otherwise. Now, Matthew calls that the penis formation that we're playing. Can, can mm. I have you explain that to me? Because he says it a lot, and I'm like, okay, not sure. Something we've got a flat back for, and then in front of it, a few uh, twos going down the middle. Yeah, and Southampton playing it as well. So it's like... Ironically, Robin was sat on the bench. What did you think to that decision? So his strike was out because he um, had COVID and then a slight hamstring issue in the international break. But... Did Robin Cock do enough to be the one that made way for Liam Cooper? I think we've talked about this before on Cooper. He makes such a good case for himself to play all the time. And we've, well, I've been saying it for weeks. We might have all been saying it, but we've been missing him dearly. He's uh, He's been such a good leader for us. And he was again. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. So I know you can argue whether the decision was right on moral grounds, but I think on football and keeping us in the Premier League, you've got you've got to get him in there because it's it's kind of what we've been missing for a long time. And to be fair, that's the first time he's played a proper match in that system under under Marsh as well, and like nailed it really. I don't think he made really any mistakes, and you always think there's a, a mistake in Cooper, but there was just nothing. Uh, he slipped on the halfway line, and the referee waved oh, it on and. Uh... and he, yeah, who didn't who didn't bloody slip on that football pitch as well? It's like was it like because it was slightly colder or something, and they've got different studs on? Was it over wet or it was weird? Just said Liam Cooper. I saw a stat yesterday that he became the first player in Leeds United history to play under ten different managers, uh, which That's is mad madness in itself. It's amazing that he's got any footballing ability for, based on some of the managers that he's been under. They could have coached it out of him. It is mad when you think about it. Like same with Calvin, they played through. Some managers that gave them nothing, that taught them absolutely nothing, yet they've sustained their ability and, and got even better. Also, probably a very good job that Bielsa's done. So, yeah, I thought Cooper was excellent as well. Uh, just to echo that that thought, um, I've always said that he's our best centre back, um, and I did doubt myself, <laughs> you know, because not many people agree with that. But um, obviously, while he was out the team, his, his reputation grew, and then he, he backed it up by by putting in just a just a brilliant solid display and I know there's you know I do I do think that a lot of the um enthusiasm around strike is is based on his potential rather than his ability you know he has made mistakes recently and he's just you know he's not as dominating as as Cooper Cooper's a, a really dominating center back and yeah fair enough he might make one or two mistakes a season but you know strike you know trod on the ball against Man U he let Van Dyke just run and score a free header against Liverpool you know there, there was there's others as well I'm sure so yeah we're in the Premier League against the best players in the world you know you're not going to be impeccable fair play to Cooper what would it cost to replace Cooper well exactly yeah I think 
I think 15 to 20 million based on what we're paying for what we've been paying for center backs yeah. on Lorente and, and Koch, which isn't, which is a big chunk of money. And I think there will be people who would say we need to get rid of it. But the center back position for now, if we stay in the Premier League or, or we go down, we had all of them available on uh, Saturday. And when you've got that wealth of variety there, and you, and you could choose. So you've got Lorente and Cooper, but you've also got Cox, Stroik, Creswell. So it's, it's only Hjelda that was unavailable. That was funny because he said Leo and people thought he'd said Liam in the press conference. And so people thought Cooper was out again. Any one of them, you would be quite confident in starting. We've got one there that's a young player who people have loved all his appearances and instantly was linked with Liverpool and other clubs when he's come on. We've got Stroik, who's been linked with having to choose between the Netherlands and Belgium for his international. Um, and then we've got Lorente and Koch, who are Spanish and uh, German full internationals. And then we've got League One Liam, who absolutely isn't, and playing as a full uh, Scottish international. And he did really well up against Che Adams, who can be a real handful, but obviously... They know each other well as as well, which I think probably might have helped. I don't know if that helped him or not. He, he was brilliant on Saturday, Liam Cooper, and he showed exactly what we've been missing. And maybe we were going to get through this whole podcast without looking back at Bielsa. Maybe we weren't, but Bielsa didn't have the luxury of playing his team or having a squad available to him that that Jesse Marsh had on Saturday. He hasn't had that since December at, at best, really. So... I don't begrudge him it. I want him to have that and, and uh, we need to do well. But centre-back is not going to be a position that we struggle with, even if we got relegated and Lorente and, well, Cox says if we go down, we're going down together. So don't sound like he wants to leave. But if, if the internationals moved on and we were relying on the youth, I think they'd be up for a scrap in the division below. It'd be good to see. Yeah. Uh, well, no, obviously no one wants to see that, but yeah, to see to see Cresswell and and uh, Strike and Helder and and Cooper marshalling them, um, probably in either division, that might be okay from what we've seen so far. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like Lorente obviously came in last season and coincided with a brilliant upturn in form and also the defence itself stopped con- conceding from corners and stopped conceding, basically. This season is not been as impressive, I don't think. And Cock, obviously, like he, he really impressed at first, but he's not really, he's just not had a chance, has he, for absolutely ages now to, to play any any games at centre-back, um, you know, back-to-back. So it's quite hard to say. For me, it's it's Cooper and, and another and, and probably go with Lorenzo at the moment. We weathered the storm up until half time and then gave away that ridiculous free kick. Something that I haven't seen mentioned is I am fairly certain with my wonderful depth perception that he moved that ball into a much more favorable position for himself compared to where the foul actually was. Have I completely made that up because it's something that I like to use against opposition players to have a rant or is there anything in that? I mean, you- I've I've watched it and he... Definitely didn't move it, but I'm all for your narrative, Paul. I think he, I think he's a dirty cheat, basically. <laughs> I'm good because I wish I hadn't asked now because I was happy to just <laughs> believe in my believe in my truth. So uh, he's I'm, a he's a good free kick taker. I, I turned to my sister straight away. I said, "There's a 95 percent chance this is going in." Unfortunately, the guy behind me said, um, oh, "It's too close for him to get it up and down." And then I was 95% sure it was going in. I could not believe he'd said that. And especially because it looked the perfect distance as well. Because he bloody moved it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The swine. <laughs> I thought, well, I think it's just because there was such a bundle of players that were so close and when we actually brought him down, apparently, yeah. apparently according to social media, it was Click that did that. Uh, There's a great moment in the first half where Ward Prowse was taking a corner at Revy end and uh, Calvin was warming up. Um, and he was just giving him shit when he was taking the corner. <laughs> he was like shouting in his face right near us. So I loved it. It's great. Things you don't see on TV, eh? Oh, that dribble yeah, I mean... to, to set up the free kick was ridiculous, wasn't it? Like, oh, how yeah. many players could have tackled him? And he just, you couldn't, the ball was stuck to his feet. He did it a couple of times as well. Um, I, I do I do feel like he, he was kind of at a point where, you know, he'd skimmed past a few players and was unbalanced. And, yeah. and Luke... I think he got a touch on the ball, but also it kind of looked like a foul, so he gave it, and it was just one of them. Unfortunately, I, I, I didn't really blame Aylan for it. When I watched the game, I felt that they had a lot more of the ball, particularly in large parts of the second half and the end of the first half, and that we had pretty decent chances, and that what Ralph Hazard-Hootles was saying that they deserved to win because they had the better chances was a load of rubbish. So I've just gone on footy stats, and we had 56% of the possession, which surprises me. Um, we had 14 shots, they had 15. So probably more shots than I remember. And um, our XG was 1.48 and theirs was 1.85. So again, more truth that I didn't need in my life. <laughs> I would prefer to just stick to my narrative of what happened. Because I was at the game, that website wasn't. But why did the why did the second that's a really bad link to this? Why did the second half not go as we wanted it to? I don't know, but I'm hoping next season when you turn up next year, you're gonna have just a footy stats board. Well, it'll footy you know, stats is now at the game. <laughs> I don't want to be disparaging to the bloke who does sit next to me, but you know, if if the footy stats board turns up instead of him, might be a bit of a break. Just going back to your conversation earlier around the hundred seventy thing as well is that. I do kind of, I, I do kind of see what he's saying, and that fans' expectations are for us to be a hundred miles an hour all the time, um, like we were under Bielsa. But I remember watching, I, I think it was Liverpool around the time just before Bielsa had left, and I watched them, and I was watching like Allison come out a goal and just like blasting it up the field and them clearing danger and stuff, and just thinking, yeah, it's quite interesting when you watch another team properly and like a top of the top of the league side and they aren't they aren't afraid to hoof it up and go route one and they do play in different ways that isn't the same all the time and i think we're just so not used to it it feels so alien that people are you know going crazy at melia when he's not throwing it out immediately and i think i, I do think that there is kind of a change of mindset that will just gradually happen with with fans but at the minute it's still very much like getting on players' backs a little bit and there being tension in the air. Like, the atmosphere wasn't great at the weekend, I didn't think. I thought it felt a bit flat. Um, Do you think his distribution um, was hindered by the audible groans when he wasn't releasing it early? Because obviously, like, that's what Jesse says we've got to get used to and the fans don't understand the 170 thing where it's like, we've got to bring it down. But because his distribution wasn't the best that it's that it has been on Saturday. So will the fans groaning about it make a difference to that? I think so, 100%. I I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, to be honest, on, on yeah, Saturday. Same. Like, it was, 
there was a lot of times where he got the ball and there wasn't even a ball on and people were still screaming at him. And, and there was yeah. one time in the first half, he had the ball at his feet and there wasn't a pass on. And he just had the ball and everyone started like, you know, roaring at him. Like, how off-putting can you possibly get? Yeah. Like, that's miles worse than, like, going, oh, you shit bastard to the opposition keeper. Like, yeah, putting your own awful. keeper under all that pressure when he's 22 as well and conceded 100 goals this season. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> ludicrous, to be honest. In Bielsa's system, it was so obvious where the ball was going to go all the time. There was always that option, but it isn't there anymore. So, so people are still stuck in that mindset of, well, come on then, move it on. Um, yeah. But it, but it's not, and he has to hunt around for it and wait for the team to move and wait for gaps to come in. So, yeah. I, mean, I, will... I should say there was one or two times where like Rafinha or Rodrigo mm. was free for a, for a long yeah. throw, but literally like one or two. You know, not all the other times. Yeah, I I think there were a few occasions where the ball could have gone sooner, and I think that is what probably what Jesse Marsh is saying is that we've got to do the 170 thing, but the players have got to learn and begin to judge when it's right to get that ball out early and to be able to mix it up and make have that decision-making in a game. And like Bielsa, what did he say this or if I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said if he, you know, if he was, if every game was played with robots and he mm. was able to control it, then, you know, he'd win every game, but it's not, it's played by humans. And I think he's giving them more in the decision-making, but they're transitioning from one system to another. And so the safer option for Melier in those moments is to bring the pace down, even if that ball is on. So when those balls are on, he's got to learn when it's, yeah, Rodrigo has gone, Rafinha has gone, let's get it out there quickly. But his direct instruction is probably don't, don't do that. The crowd will get on you, but don't do it. You're going to hear them at you. Wait and see where the ball is from there. We didn't create much in the second half. Well, the best chance fell to Rafinha, I think. Like, edge of the box or just inside the box, and he skied it into the cop. Oh, yeah. um, I thought he was going to pass it on again, you know, just out to his left. Yeah, like. Harrison was there, I think. Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. Rod- Rodrigo seemed to create a lot for us in the second half, just getting the ball and running, which is kind of what we needed. But beyond that, didn't really feel like it material. Well, it didn't materialize into anything, did it? So uh, there was a couple of times where we got sort of in behind to the line, um, but then you know the pullbacks, you know, just weren't didn't didn't work or were blocked. Um, yeah, I can't really remember nearly scoring. We don't look like conceding four, five, or seven, or even six. I throw that one in there as well. But we we look more assured at the moment don't worry paul we'll be playing man city in a few days so (laughs) yeah there's still that to come um we'll have a chat about the fixtures and permutations shortly but did you feel on saturday like from corners we 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 look sturdier all these little bonuses are, are they the kind of things the pluses that you're seeing at the moment jesse march felt that he could see in that game on saturday that they are taking on board his methods and that it's starting to to really take shape and he also felt that one of the biggest bonuses was um him cooper playing 90 plus minutes by mistake and and calvin coming in and playing and not he just said it's not cameo it's a performance um just how important was calvin phillips coming back and how much did you see that you believe that his methods are really now becoming evident yeah i think definitely um the corner thing is is a big thing for me. I mean, I I hated the way that we used to defend at corners, man to man, because because we were just rubbish at it. You know, the, the players 
just weren't even looking at the ball half the time. Um, and this way he's got sort of four men zonal in and a couple man marking and, and it's just, it's just better, you know, it makes more sense to me. Um, so that's good. And, and yeah, like I said earlier, like the pattern of plays are nice. We're getting space in the middle. We're attacking, you know, it was, I thought it was an exciting performance. Um, even if in the second half we were a bit toothless. Um, so I think, it, you know, I, I felt a lot more positive coming away from the ground. I felt felt a bit bit more like I'm moving on. I'm actually quite pleased to hear you say Jesse Marsh's name twice on this episode, Paul. I don't think you've ever said it before, have you? Jesse Marsh. Uh, I'm I'm still, well, like, I'm not there, really. You know, when I've said it, I've been not really sure that that's what he's called. So, because I've actively avoided it, that's why I haven't really said it before. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Is that what he's called? We'll go with it. I don't know what if I say Jesse, then I feel like I'm being a bit informal, and I don't want to be his mate because I don't like him. Uh, <laughs> so I have to give him his full name. What's his middle name? Jesse Bessie Marsh. No, it's uh, it's Ica. <laughs> don't get that. Jessica. Jesse. <laughs> Good one. Oh dear. You're welcome. You're Good welcome. One. I like what you did. Jesse there. Allen Marsh. Yeah, Allen. Yeah. Allen. That, that is robust. Cost. That is what, robust. What great middle name. I like him better now. Oh, that, well, that's what you can call him. Just call him Allen. I'll call him his Man. full full name. I'm just going to call him Jam. James, you you see more of uh, Jesse's methods coming through. Yeah, you, we we look a lot more sturdier when we're defending. Like that's a, a, an absolute given. And some of it's very similar. The lack of width is kind of weird, isn't it? At times, like you kind of expect it to go like really far out to to the wings and then build from there. But yeah, getting used to it. I mean, we're, if we're getting used to it, the players have got to be just starting to get used to it as well. And Calvin coming back is massive. You know, just to get a few minutes is really good. And he did seem to shore us up that bit more when he came on as well. And it'd be interesting to see more of him in the system and how it works. And I think it'll. Like we know, it'll probably be closer to the, the England setup. Hopefully not as boring, but... Well, I don't think it will be because we attack in a bit more of a, an aggressive way, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes and Watford will be a good test for it. Not because they're a great team, because they're not, but it's just one of those games which is huge for them and, you know, it's kind of... It's sort of their last chance, really, I think, so it could be interesting. Who for either you guys was man of the match? Liam Cooper. Uh, I'll go with Rodrigo. Just to yeah, that's a bit... It's a good call. Well, Radio well. Leeds one. He also has a good call as well. Do you want to swap? You say Rodrigo yeah. and I'll say I, Cooper. I've, I've changed my mind. We're going Rodrigo. Yeah, I'm going Cooper. That's a good shout. That's performance. Very good. <laughs> uh, well, Radio Leeds went with Forshaw for his yeah, composure, well. calming influence on the game, being everywhere. Can I swap again? They, <laughs> like, here's a footballing cliche. Adam Forshaw's like having a new signing. That gets wheeled out a few times. So, yeah, I think, as you said, I started it off with, the, is it a point gained or two points dropped? Um, the context of the weekend is interesting because you've said, oh, the context of the weekend meant that we really could have pulled away. But equally, the context of the weekend meant that we actually gained ground on teams rather than losing it, other than the freak Brentford result. Cheers, Chelsea. So let's have a little look at the uh, a few fixtures and permutations james you've already said how big you think that fixture is on saturday but there's big games before then west ham no sorry everton burnley is it yeah wednesday, wednesday the 6th of april 7 30 burnley versus everton and Ooh. there's a there is a, like 
Burnley's next fixtures, well, they've got Everton and then they've got Norwich away on Sunday. And they're massive, massive games. Burnley, because they're playing uh, catch-up, they have got six fixtures between now and the end of April. In the same time, we've got... Getting ready for uh, the championship. And we'll we'll probably find a way to uh, move one of those if needs be as well. Burnley are currently nine points behind us with a superior goal difference. So that if they win all three games to go ahead of us, that would mean that we would be behind Burnley by a week on Sunday, the 17th of April, because they're getting the fixtures in really, really rapidly. Watford are currently eight points behind us. So the whole six-pointer thing, it's eight points seems good. They've got one game in hand. 11 points would be, you don't think with Watford having 21 points to play for, that they're going to have that much of a swing on us during that time. You would hope not. But if it gets reduced to five points and there's a game in hand, then it's look over your shoulder time again at Watford. That's how big that that fixture is. Everton have got four fixtures in in, uh, April. They are away at Burnley, as we said the other night. And again, it's it's kind of do or die for both teams in that, that game. They will have played three times before we play again after our game against Southampton. So by the time we play on Saturday afternoon, they will only have played one game less than us. Um, but they play the Burnley game and then they are at home to Manchester United on Saturday lunchtime. And that's going to bring up the age old, oh, I never support them, that kind of thing. But there's a difference between supporting them and uh, wanting Everton to lose for the sake of us staying up, I think. But plenty of people don't. Then they've got a home game against Leicester, which looks like the most winnable fixture context-wise. And then they're away at Liverpool on Sunday the 24th. Huge, huge games coming up. Um, I think given all of that, the earliest that we could be in the bottom three is the 23rd of April. But equally, I think we could be mathematically safe by the th- if they if they lose games and we win them, then we'll be much 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 closer. Obviously, good insight. I feel like I've just listened to a cryptographer. <laughs> you're not going to get that soccer Saturday chaff, I don't think. <laughs> think you. Well, James can cut it if needs be. It's not a problem. <laughs> Let's put some interlude music. Just summarize it like this: There's a lot of a lot of key games. Teams teams are playing each other. We've only got a couple of fixtures because we've played a lot more uh, games than others. And for us, our six-pointer is against Watford. How are you feeling going into that game? I'm very worried. Um, do, you want me to, do you want me to add some worry for you, Rocker? Yeah, go on then. Joffrey's just been injured in the 23s game. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan James will be out of position again. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. I, why, is he, I, yeah. why is he playing for the 23s? You, well, you're in between the, the first and the 23s. You're not getting much game time to maintain it. So you've got to get your minutes from somewhere. So, yeah. I don't. I doubt he would have played a full game, but just to kind of keep him at that level, I suppose. But, it's, yeah, either way, it's annoying. Says here yeah. that he's got a dead leg. Oh, I'll be fine. Yeah. That's fine. fine. We can deal yeah. with that. Yeah, I think obviously it's going to be tough. Like you said, it's, it's their last chance to learn. They have to win. Um, so, yeah, it's good. I think I think it's such a huge pivotal game for, for Marsh because, sorry, Alan, Alan Marsh. Pitch Marsh. <laughs> if, we, uh, if we lose against Watford and, you know, don't put in a good display, you know, 
people will then start looking back and saying, oh, well, they only drew to Southampton. They could have not beat Norwich. They could have not beat Wolves. And, you know, so it just changes the whole, it, you know, it'll end up sort of, um, you know, changing the whole mindset of the club. Whereas if we win, you know, then he's doing a fantastic job. You know, you can't, you can't say otherwise. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just an absolutely huge pivotal game, like bigger than, than a normal game should be, you know, one match. It's, it's, it's harsh to judge a manager's first month on one game, but I do feel like whatever way it goes, um, it's, it's quite polarizing. So it'll probably be a draw, which would be fine. A draw would be fine because it keeps, it keeps people at arm's length with teams playing each other. It means gonna bunch up more because people are going to pick up points like in this weekend where people weren't playing each other, then there were opportunities for them all to lose, which is great. But, because it's bunched up and there are more teams in and amongst it, like Newcastle losing a couple has drawn them back in. Brighton have had a shocking run. You just think, you just want to be the least bad of a bad bunch. How many more points do you think we need, James? Probably six. I'll go with five. I'll go with three. That would be quite good, actually. (laughs) I think the reason it could be four rather than three is the goal difference thing. We shall see. We shall see. It's that these teams as I uh, really classily alluded to, have very tough runs of fixtures as well. Um, and, and I think the best way that someone put it on, on Waco is what we're assuming is that we're suddenly going to lose every single game and these other teams will become world beaters and win every single game. And the likelihood of that happening, other than the fact that it's a Leeds that thing, it, it's it's impossible. Oh my God. Why are you saying this? Because they play each other. <laughs> and um, some other games so it is physically impossible for them all to win all their games yeah I know but that's where you know some sort of pandemic will kick in again and then all of a sudden it'd be like well you know cheers for turning up lads here's all the points yeah I was quite like you say um, you know three well like if we do say if we lose to Nor- uh, sorry if we lose to Watford we're five points ahead of them like five points is a lot you know for, for Watford um, you know, we could probably lose the next three or four games and still be ahead of Watford um, from a five-point lead. So, yeah, maybe we just need to just relax and just go with it. The night that we play Chelsea at home, Watford play Everton at home, that feels like the kind of night where things could be getting towards all said and done. I don't mm-hmm. want to go to Brentford needing anything. Oh no! Yeah, you want it. You want this to be done and dusted as soon as possible, don't you? You yeah. want that so, to be like one of those Steve Evans beach party days. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't need to be anything that game. Well done, Brentford. You've stayed up. Well done. We've stayed up. Pass it about a bit. No one cares. Everyone's out in London. Done. Yeah. See you next season. Go have a holiday. Change the team. <laughs> All's good. Right. So, uh, what's your final word? London. We've got to break the London curse again. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> hang on, hang on. It's south enough. I'm it's south of Birmingham, so that's fine. Yeah, exactly. What, south, of Bur- south of Birmingham, it's in London. Yeah, yeah basically. God, can't tolerate that kind of geography. Paul, did you do geography at university? I did. There you go. That's why you can't tolerate it, but Rocco in our eyes, perfect. <laughs> Rocco? Um, I'll I'll ju- I'll go with pivotal. Um, if I'm allowed to repeat a word I've already said, um, yeah, it's this is this is the match of the season without a doubt. And let's hope it really is because if we win, then yeah, we should be 
feeling confident enough that we won't have another huge pivotal game again until next season. I want to go with tents. As in like camping? As, yeah, row of tents. It just feels tense. I think the crowd was tense a bit on Saturday. Like you said, the, the atmosphere was a bit edgy and getting on the keepers back for all that, looking back, wasn't really the best thing to do. Um, I feel tense going into Saturday. Everyone's tense looking at that Burnley-Everton game because for everyone who says that you can, no one can agree on what the best result is, so and we don't really have an influence, so the best result will be whatever happens because it'll really damage. If if there's a win either way, it's really damaging to the other team. And if it's a draw, then there's a point dropped amongst them. So, but it's, it is getting to the tense part of the season and knowing that it was what, six weeks left, six games left, something like that. It's, we're going to know soon. Our fate. Terrifying. But have a great week and uh, hope you, <laughs> anyone going down to Watford has a lovely day out, not in London. And, um, and try to get yourself to the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter as well. That's down in Watford, isn't it? What other, what other things are in Watford? London, that's in Watford. <laughs> <laughs> Elton John. I just associate Watford with the Millennium Stadium, but that's that's in Cardiff, mm. and that's that's a that's a delightful term. No, you know, if Watford do win on Saturday, they'll just walk out politely, looking like they don't care. <laughs> so, uh, wow, well, this is oh, yeah, this is the biggest Watford fixture since that Watford fixture. Anyway, I don't want to build it up anymore. Just have a good week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.